0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muriwa Kavaza, and for today, it's a conversation um, around uh, the future of global trade, the future of, um, you know, what it means uh, to have a reserve currency, uh, because there are a lot of challenges uh, that are being, uh, that, that, are, that are presenting themselves, uh, rather, when it comes to, you know, what currency. Should um, different uh, countries be trading in um, over the last, uh, I would say, sixty uh, to seventy years, uh, the U.S. dollar has been uh, the you know the the world's reserve currency, which is why your commodities such as your gold and oil are denominated in uh, in U.S. dollars. Uh, you know, since we came out of uh, World War II and some of the agreements from that, but um, over the last couple of years, they've been. You you know a lot of people trying to question and uh, quote-unquote dethrone uh, the u.s dollar when it comes to um, that uh, global trade in that place as a reserve currency and south africa finds itself in the midst uh, you know of all that because uh, there have been uh, you know growing calls uh, for a BRICS currency those who know that uh, BRICS is a um is an association of countries uh, referring to Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And, uh, you know, these are big emerging uh, market economies and one can think about what's going on in Europe. A lot of people driven by the fact that, you know, Russia, which is at war with Ukraine, hasn't been able to, you know, has a lot of sanctions on it and it's trying not to uh, spend U.S. dollars, you know, trying to use every other currency on the earth. And one of the proposals is on the table So, you know, with all of that in mind, as background, as context, uh, we are joined by Clancy Pai, who is an economist over at PwC, you know, to help us to understand, you know, what is, uh, what is, what is not, what could be just, uh, you know, around this uh, um, discussion, which is likely going to continue to grow um, in terms of uh, voices um, and uh, everything that's going on so for today plenty greetings to you
1: Uh, good good morning it's really really good to talk to you thank you for having me
0: now thank you so much uh you know for being with us uh you know you've been um someone who likely follows you know a lot of developments um around um uh, around the global economy as an economist um and uh, just hearing you speaking on uh, you know on the various platforms um you know you sound like someone who you know keeps their ear to the ground keen to just get you know your initial impressions when we talk about a a a BRICS um, you know, currency, whether I, I, I guess your impressions around that—good idea, bad idea, not so good idea, fantasy—you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think it's important. I mean, I think the most important thing, of course, is to to recognize what it, what the the problem we are trying to solve or the question we are trying to answer. Um, at this stage, I think it is not particularly clear. Uh, of course, everybody has talked about, um, uh, you know that uh, you know, somebody has to respond. To the the global dominance of the U.S. dollar, there's also more of a political thing than an economic question uh, from the way it has been presented so far. Because quite clearly, um, if you think about it, um, you know, in terms of you know a BRICS currency, uh, differentiating that from um, uh, you know trading in 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 uh, you know BRICS trading in their own currencies, or the question of whether or not. You could actually trade away from the dollar those two are two things you know uh, so what we're learning from for example is whether or not it's more important for Russia and you know and China to trade in their own currencies uh to price trade in their own currencies uh South Africa and India to you know, to price trade in their own currencies South Africa and Brazil so those kinds of things are important because obviously over time, that will have been meaningful, so I think that it's really the question uh, that we are trying to answer. It's also important to note, obviously that uh, these are not very simple things to do. We know, for example uh, uh, that you know blocks uh, can have their own currencies of signature in the Europe, but we've also seen the complications that is had. So one um, has to be very clear about uh what it is that they are trying to do so that they are not actually um you know uh, it's not an egotistical thing but it's one that has a clear need and benefit and that is is directed it that way and then one is able then to um to uh to, to, to formulate it but I think it's important to also note this is a very 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 difficult thing as I think we'll discuss as we go along.
0: Now, most certainly very difficult thing, and, uh, you know, given all the factors that you just made right now. Uh, but before we get into some of those nitty-gritties, keen to get your sense um, on uh, where South Africa stands, you know, on this particular matter. Um, would you say that as a country, South Africa has been firm? around, you know, where they stand in terms of because South Africa, you know, is well aligned, you know, with the BRICS countries, but at the same time does a lot of trade um with Europe, with the United States in particular, and, you know, the country has tended to take um, a bit of a moderate posture on a lot of issues. Um, you know out there, uh, albeit yes they ha- they did come under a lot of criticism you know with uh, you know regarding their relationship with Russia when the war came into effect, but specifically on the currency, how do you think our posture is being interpreted i I, I say that noting the fact that uh currently when you look at global trade, the case for china, the case for Russia is quite uh, obvious you know given what we- what you 've just spoken about and uh, i I think, you know, this week we had remarks from uh, President Da Silva uh, from Brazil calling on BRICS nations to come up with an alternative to replace the, the dollar for foreign trade. So, you know, you've got that Russia piece in there. So, you know, from a South Africa point of view, how's our stance and how do you think it's being interpreted globally?
1: Well, South Africa would have a, a very difficult problem because we remember that South Africa uh, in terms of uh, joining blocks of trade, another block of trade that we, uh, we've joined um, is the Africa uh, free trade uh, area. And in that, we've also been committing to or at least part of discussions of forming an, uh, a, a, uh, an African um, uh, union kind of currency. So in that sense, one would not be able to do both. One would have to choose whether or not um, you are you you know you surrender the rent to be to uh to join a a, a common currency on the African continent or on the British countries it would be difficult to do both at the same time uh, and that's why I say this is actually an important discussion particularly for South Africa because we have to sort of have a sense about if you're in South Africa and you want uh you know you you, you think about your trade partners uh, and then you it, uh you know you join a bloc much like I think um it would have been difficult for uh you know for say uh you you know uh the UK to first you know to join the euro and then at the same time uh insist that they want to join maybe some other um uh, uh European um currents or not, uh you know so it's it's South Africa faces that first dilemma because you know, we've already had I think some way that has been decided around trade uh because we run that and then said in order to facilitate that trade. South Africa thinks that you know there should be a common currency on the continent. So you know, that choosing away from that would, uh, would be difficult but I also have not heard South Africa speak very clearly on the on the on the BRICS currency. So that, I think that's what South Africa probably uh, will have uh, some uh, some some issues here in terms of uh, participating in this because they would have to choose. I think also in in some sense one has to recognize that in joining a, 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 a monetary union or a um, common currency, as it were, one has to surrender your own uh, sovereignty in terms of, you know, your own independence, in terms of formulating your own monetary policy. Um, and in some instances, and maybe importantly, you also have to think about also surrendering your own independence and budgeting, because these things don't go apart from each other. So. And whether or not South Africa is ready for that, or South Africans are ready for that, I think you know uh, that's be another thing. Unlike most countries, you know, South Africans are very, very attached to the rand. We follow it. I mean, you won't find many countries where you travel uh, that they can tell you what the exchange rate is uh, between the different currencies. In South Africa, we uh, we know what the exchange rate is with you know with the euro, with the dollar, with the rand. Uh, if you were to ask a, a, an American, or Europe, a, you know, a British person, what's the exchange rate with the U.S. dollar or, you know, people would really not know that because they are not really that close or follow it that much. So I think also as a political matter, it may very well be difficult uh, to do that. So it's interesting because also it has all sorts of implications around, um, you know, sovereignty and dominance and all those kinds of things. So it's an interesting one that uh, South Africa would have to resolve and one I guess Um, It's going to be
0: difficult. You know, we talk about being caught between a rock and a hard place. And uh, yeah, that really sounds like a a big rock and a big hard place. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That South Africa would have to, you know, decide which direction uh, that they, you know, that they want to go in, you know, do you take a bet on um, these uh, continental giants Um, from various parts of the world, or do you take a bet on banding together with your fellow African, uh, you know, fellow Africans uh, when it comes to, you know, being counted um, amongst, you know, some of the giants, you know, when it comes to global trade. What's interesting to me is the other four partners, when you look at BRICS, are some of the most populous countries in the world. Either yeah, they are the most populous countries or they are just large countries geographically. Russia is a massive country. China is a big country when it comes to population size. So is India Um and uh, what you call this, uh, Brazil. And, you know, if we're going to compete on population size, someone might, you know, look at, um, an Africa Free Trade Area as being a better bet because you you band together you get your billion people together and then you know you 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 move forward there uh, but yeah it 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 is um, it is quite an interesting one
1: indeed and I, I, South Africa also is uh, as far as uh, as trading blocks, I also belongs to the South African Customs Union you know, remember uh, and that the South African Customs Union you know, uh, including. Um, uh, you know, and I think Namibia where actually there is you know there's free trade uh there's no um, tariffs and that has also been one thing and some people have said it may be because there are all of these um blocks on the continent those are actually being built and could over a period of time then be merged together uh, to form the common uh trading but I think one has to really really think about the implications uh and what it actually means and um and whether it's actually the only way to go uh in, in terms of forming this. One of the things that's already emerging, and I haven't heard, for example, China speak about this, because we also know that uh some countries have uh, very tight controls on their on their on their exchange rates, on their currencies. You know, they 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 do what is called managed exchange rates, unlike ours, which is obviously free-flowing, uh, in joining a union like that. Um uh, we know some are pegged. For example, uh, you know, in, in parts of Africa, this may be pegged uh on you know on some on some trade partner. So there's also that pegging where you want your currency to track very closely your trade partner. And all of these complications um may mean something. So for example, if we choose to go with BRICS, uh that also has implications around how we trade with the rest of, with Europe and we trade with the with the rest of America. But I think it's uh these all discussions are important because I think They represent really uh, a discussion around what um, the problems have been and how they can be, how can they be resolved. The important thing, though, is really about will this benefit investment? Will it benefit trade? Will it uh, support employment? Will it support prosperity? And then all these other things perhaps may follow. The economics has to really, really make sense, not just the politics of it.
0: Yes, certainly. And one, and as you're talking, I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, considerations on, on all sides, whoever you decide, if South Africa is to band together, you know, whoever they decide to band together with Africa, BRICS countries, there's such, you know, divergence with uh, the way that monetary policy is handled, China holds some of the biggest reserves in u s dollars, and they've been accused a number of times of you know being able to bid up or down their own currency because of those uh, what you call this of those u uh, s dollar reserves you have countries on the continent like uh, Tanzania that are uh, "Quote unquote," uh, have a currency. I think the T shilling, uh, the Tanzanian shilling, is uh, is pit against the U.S. dollar, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, to some extent. So, you know, very different approaches to how um, you know you go about things. And if people are to band together, they need to agree. So, Atlanti, I think maybe at this uh, at this juncture in the in the discussion, maybe what we can do is to. Uh, put ourselves um, in a in a practical mindset because um it's one of the things that you just mentioned now to say these discussions are important because part of the discussion is actually trying to decide how will things look like um, if we actually decide you know to go forward so let 's put ourselves in a situation where uh for now the the scenario becomes bricks. Uh South Africa makes a decision, they flip the coin, um, and then they decide, okay, fine, we're gonna go with the BRICS and establish a currency on that end. In a practical sense, especially given dynamics in global trade, does a currency like that have the ability to to really compete with the US dollar or does it become a an alternative? Because I think of the euro as a as a big alternative, not necessarily a competitor for a global reserve currency. I'm not sure if what I'm saying is making sense, yes, so
1: you're quite like i mean uh, when we think about the reserve, uh, reserve currencies or reserve currency, we are thinking about currency that uh people think uh is important to hold uh as a sense of stability or you know so we hold holding it in your reserves. Remember, when we hold reserves, we're holding uh, a, a, a a unit that we need, for example, to, we need to maybe uh, support the currency or we need to intervene or we need to use it for trade. So that reserve is something we hold in our reserves to pay for exports and imports. And for those people who uh, manage currency so that they have enough for the market to you know that they have enough to support their particular currency, but in terms of thinking about uh, trading, I think you are quite right to use uh, the euro. Because part of part of the problems with the euro that we've seen, including some of the issues we've seen during the, 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 the euro um, debt crisis and the fiscal crisis that we've seen there, uh, is that one of the problems we have is that when you have to think about the, a currency in order for it to hold, right? We all of us have to hold this currency. It has to actually have value to all of us so that we can... We are able to trade equally, and we are also all all able to to uh, to benefit. Now, the the case in the uh, rule, right from the beginning. The big warnings were that in order to run a currency that allows everybody, because remember we all have to now uh, keep the the rules. So one of the rules, for example, is to think about that our, our 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 fiscal balances, our budgets have to make sense in such a way. That none of us actually are outside the main the 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 main line of the currency. By that I mean if you think about uh the rent, right? The the rent is on the exchange rate, just one exchange rate, it depends on a number of issues. So on our inflation rate, because our inflation has implications for interest rates, uh and interest rates have implications for the exchange rate or the level of the uh, exchange rate. We also know that uh the uh, you know our fiscal balances, so the way we budget, we have to make sure that the fiscal balance is at a certain level, because if we say, you know, our fiscal balance, is, you know, we need to borrow more than um, that borrowing as we receive that money that we're borrowing to balance uh, our budget. So because if your fiscal balance is high, that means you need to be able to borrow and when you borrow, you receive money from the outside. So you need to go and borrow from the US dollars when you borrow that money, it has implications for exchange rate, because as you receive more a current account, they we can, and actually we can exchange it. So to do that requires that to balance. All of us have to be around the same level uh, of the, of, you know, of our budget balance. And I imagine trying, I mean, it's hard enough to discuss just trade balances, to try and discuss budgets. Uh, it's it's hard to discuss our budget it, within South Africa. You know, some people say we must run a a surplus. Some people say we must run a deficit. High deficit some people, but you, you know we should actually, but you know, focus on this and that. Now, if we're in a union like that, we may we have to actually think about how we actually run a particular balance so that it's actually in line with the with our peers, so that we can keep the exchange rate and balance in order to do that, it makes it very, very difficult for countries who have run high fiscal balances or may have certain problems within the country where you need to borrow a little bit more, for example, to support the poor, to build infrastructure. So all of those things are important. And I think you know those levers are difficult within the country. They are even more difficult if you are in a union. Particularly, one where actually you see the uh, the, the disparities between our four countries, um, you know, within the BRICS or five countries within the BRICS. So one, it has to be aware that that to do this, and these are the mistakes uh, or the lessons that had to be learned by um, by within the eurozone, and of course, uh, the euro currency was that they needed now to realize at the end that you know everything, all the decisions were being made in Brussels and not in their individual countries. And then many of them found it very, very unpalatable because they understood that you know freedom is not like that. So I think the main thing now is to actually also consider very, very clearly whether or not we would be in a position uh to surrender that kind of control, or to at least if we don't surrender, to keep to the line in terms of being able to, you know, to fix, you know, budget balances because otherwise um and then of course. Because also, as you know, if we say we need to borrow more, our inflation. So we are basically handing over the monetary policy itself. Would have it to say, uh, let's say, for example, our uh, you know we had said this is going to be um, made in, in you know if our central bank now will move away from South Africa, we go to China. That you know actually the British central bank would be the one that decides on our interest rates. Uh, <laughs> whenever they're very upset with with this kind of situation that got. so I think the situation is. Much more complex. And so and these are very difficult decisions because we do still actually even now still discussing the very basic things around are we being taken advantage of? Are we now being colonized? So people will find it very difficult. So it is um, something that to consider, to surrender one's um, ability to budget to decide on what we need. And our development is quite far from what we see in China, quite far from what we see in Russia. Uh perhaps, you know, we do better. Uh, I mean, we, we might be on peer, on par. Our un, unemployment is quite far from our peers, and we still need to have some control over our, our budget. So, South Africa would, would struggle, I think, to enter into this agreement because of the kinds of, t- of kinds of decisions we've got to make. If you want to be part of that, because it simply doesn't work, uh, as I said, uh, as we've learned in Europe, where everybody has their own budgeting and their own running their own deficits. Only to find that, of course, um, it can lead to a crisis, as we've seen um, uh, in uh, in Europe. Uh, and then when you are also, I mean, if you are facing uh, inflation in a monetary union, there's only one place that controls that inflation. If you need to expand it, spend it, you can only do that with the agreement. If you want to cut interest rates so that you can support growth in your country, you can't do that because that can only be done by the central bank in the grouping. Uh, so that is the kinds of implications. So that's why I say it's easier to think about whether we trade in our current, you know, our bilateral currencies rather than to think we are trading in uh, in one uh, currency because that means something uh, quite different. But that does um, does not mean that there can be a, a reserve currency within the four or five currencies that you are, you are getting into. But that also has other implications and other dynamics.
0: No, huge implications, huge dynamics. Uh, I was actually, as you were talking, just you know, doling out different scenarios in my head. You know, perhaps um, what could be done is great is just you know, greater cooperation between the five countries uh, from an economic uh, point of view, because one of the biggest advantages for all its problems, um, the eurozone, at least is is a grouping of countries that are all geographically in the same area um you can there's a lot of you know there's a lot of leverage that you can do when you're all in the same area you have Somewhat, you know, similar economic activities. A person can move easily from one country to another, and you know, you can divvy up, you know, certain types of productions amongst each other. Centralize some of your resource planning. You know, all of this stuff. It 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 makes sense from that point of view. Uh, but when I'm thinking of BRICS, just the just the disparate nature of uh, the economies themselves, yes, they are all emerging uh, emerging markets, um, you know, with some similar, you know, tenants, uh, such as trying to pull as many people out of poverty and all that. But uh, when you think about reliance on, you know, commodities like your oil, agriculture in Brazil, you know, all of that, it becomes, I guess, different, you know, how do you plan Uh, The economic resources. So at least for now, it seems the more practical thing to do is uh, is to gear your efforts towards, you know, greater cooperation, maybe boost, um, help to boost each other's economies just so that these all five economies become bigger so that you have a you know a bigger share of voice bigger decision making power when you get to other trading blocks uh you know the un uh the security council all of those different considerations uh you know there's just so much to think about i was going to ask the question whether or not the world is ready for a BRICS currency but you know, just given everything that we've uh, been discussing today, it doesn't sound like that's something that could uh, practically be implemented in the what you call this uh, in the foreseeable future. So many questions uh, would need to be dealt with. You know, some people surrendering control over certain pieces of uh, the economies, and um, that really does seem to be quite. Um, <sighs> what's the word i'm looking for it seems to be one of those things that is a because you have push and pull factors but when it comes to that economic cooperation specifically on the issue of letting go of certain certain pieces um of uh, control over your own economies that seems you know as if it wouldn't really work well especially for the countries that we're talking about uh because when you think about some of these countries China India these are countries that have been working to try and bring as much under their control as possible so for them to do an about turn where they would relinquish uh part of their control to this uh, banding of uh, five countries I don't know. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I think you're quite, a, so as we say, you know, we are all BRICS countries and we think about ourselves as emerging countries uh, or developing countries, but we are at different stages of development. And at that level, we also have different structures of the economy. I mean, I think you also talk about uh, our endowments and what, you know, how we actually go about, uh, our you know, our trade, whether, uh, you know, it's oil, it's people, uh you know the Chinese uh and also just also our democratic institutions uh our democr- our- our, eco- our social and our economic systems are you know seem to not be very very similar and so the kinds of things where you need uh one central bank uh and one kind of similar way of thinking about how we budget and how we spend and how we control and how we think about for example even um one of the important things uh in anyway maybe how we think about how um we, 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 we manage banks and how we think about financial institutions and what role they play, uh, and how a central bank may actually, um, you know, uh, uh, what's what, uh, regulate all of these things are important if this, um, has to actually hold. And so that's really suggests that, uh, a break bank at this moment, unless there's, you know, much further thinking that has happened in one, uh, which, uh, I have not have, so there may have been. You know, much bolder and much uh, clearer thinking around how one overcomes all of these things, uh, and that we may actually think about a currency uh, or this currency in a different way that has been thought about traditional currencies. I mean, we are not talking here, as many people think, we are not talking about you know, uh, bit uh, about Bitcoin, the kind of currency. We are talking about something that everybody has uh, sees as shared value, uh, and it's a medium of exchange. That, uh, you know, is meaningful in the streets of China and it is in the streets of, uh, of South Africa, you know, that is a currency that means the same thing to people, uh, in the streets of Johannesburg as it does, uh, in the streets of Moscow. Uh, and that sort of thing is, uh, is very difficult to maneuver unless we, uh, we're going to sort of, uh, you could make it some sort of artificial currencies, but that, artificiality also obviously has uh, has implications. We know that, you know, if we just think about, many people have thought about, uh, you know, Bitcoin as a currency, but it, you know, is it something that everybody sort of trusts and believes in as a medium of exchange uh, and one that they think also is a store of value? Uh, all of these things are, are important. So, uh, and because we don't have very much in common, uh, you know, our peoples are, you know, may feel we are all emerging countries, but we are, we are very different people. I think in Europe, they were at least lucky because they were sort of bound by some history, uh, by some common area. Um, and so that sort of assisted them in sort of having them a common currency. We are, we are not yet at that position. And I agree with you, therefore, that one has to think about the more practical thing is closer to, um, to, a, uh, how one actually thinks about common development and rules of development and how to support each other and then how then one avoids, uh, which I which seems to be the big thing here is that there is the more the big political question around the dominance of the US dollar because many people who are complaining against this. They're saying, look, the dominance of, because we are keeping all of the, you know dollars as a reserve currency and we use it in our trade, that actually it gives uh, the US um, and more than a fair ability to intervene, uh, you know, when they want to sanction, they can sanction you because we exchange, we use dollars to, uh, to do your trade, to do your financial transactions. Uh, so then they say, how do we not, how do we work away from that? And to work away from that, actually, we just, um, require bilateral, um, exchange rates rather than, you know, and then you're sort of lowering the dollar as a reserve currency rather than just a, um, a bricks currency until such a time as that the kinds of things we've just been talking about around each economy are uh, being able to be supported to grow. We are all sort of on par in some way or in some measure. Then one is able then to say, look, I feel at this stage, it's it's more than possible to to then have a common currency because that sort of helps us. Yeah, I mean even the distance thing that we're talking about, you know, uh, our trading uh, costs because are quite. Far out, you know. You know, just to trade with um with China, we need and things that go far. I and mean, when people are trading together in Europe, and that's meaningful. Really
0: no, most certainly. And I know that you said that we're not, uh, we we are not currently having a discussion about Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. Uh, but I am now thinking to myself that from a let's experiment point of view, it would be interesting to create a a common cryptocurrency maybe a stable coin of some sort that's pegged uh because i'm sure the i'm sure the the geeks and the and the and the financial nerds could find a way to create algorithms that are able to to have a to have a digital currency uh that is pegged to the five countries that are um what you call this the five countries that make up um, uh, the trading block and then you know you use it as an as a sandbox an economic sandbox uh to see you know how something like that would actually work um you know in the real economy that could be you know something uh, something to consider uh but you know uh, we've been talking for a while plenty and I know I need to let you go um so perhaps a, a place for us uh, to end off uh today's discussion is uh, simply to get your sense of uh, how you see this uh, particular discussion evolve um, at least in the near term, because um, as we said, there are these growing calls. People are having meetings. You have presidents that are making, you know, more and more, uh, more and more pronouncements um, around this issue. So it's it doesn't sound like one of those things where you can do the ostrich head in the sand thing and just pretend as if uh, you know it's gonna go away. It seems as if uh, you know the conversation is gonna get louder and louder. So how do you see it? Developing. I think on my end, it's been very interesting to see because um, during COVID 19, um, we saw the US. Taking a lot of liberties um, with its currency, you know, printing uh, a lot of money in the name of stimulus for the country, and um, you know, giving checks to you know everyone to make sure that uh, you know they could buy basics and all of that, and a lot of liberties being taken in terms of monetary policy, but uh, some of those consequences now being felt in one of the fastest hiking cycles and steepest hiking cycles for interest rates that we've ever seen um the us uh, going through and it hurting um not only you know some of the activity in country but globally because uh, you know everyone is still uh, battling with their own crises around inflation and um inflation interest rates uh, and all that so that's you know one of the things that i think has has brought to the fore this discussion you know to say why do we keep letting the us take such liberties um with their monetary policy because if any other country was to print as much money as they did uh, during covid it would have devalued their currency but their currency has only grown stronger all of those things <laughs> happening uh you know happening so Keen to get your sense just around how you think this discussion um, is likely to develop. Sure.
1: look, I, I think there was a discussion in uh, two thousand and around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when the US was doing um, was doing quantitative easing, and that, of course, had implications for uh, the rest of uh, the global uh, infrastructure. So, and people started to complain and say, look. But well, you know the decisions you are doing are, are unilateral, but they have multilateral uh, implications. Or um, you know they they we all are uh, experiencing. So when you make a decision in terms of monetary policy, you print money, um, you do all these things. We also affected, or you know, change exchange interest rates to the low that you've done. We have been affected by that because that has implications for our countries. Uh, and the U.S. Um, simply said, you know, everybody has to do what is good for them, and that they are American institutions. Uh, And that because of that, they have to do that. I think that's when I said that, and I suspect he was quite correct. Now, um, in terms of your first question about how things go forward, I think one has to uh, expect that what will be the focus of leaders is actually setting up the institutions uh, that would allow for the kinds of uh, ambitions that you're seeing. So there's already been a BRICS Bank, uh, and the BRICS Bank may be one institution that sort of starts the, the conversation in terms of how then um as a dev- is a development bank at this moment, so not so much a uh, a uh, a central bank, but one thinks about all the institutions that are necessary to be able to get to a place where you could do that. So for example, trade um, institutions, you might want to think about uh, uh, institutions like the IMF that may be uh, helping certain countries be able to develop to to, you know, to, to, to sort of unionize policy, fiscal policy, for example, and decision around fiscal policy. So maybe you want to start with the right kinds of institutions that are able to then lead up to, um, you know, to a, uh, to a monetary union and a common currency. Um, but you have to first put up all the institutions that will allow for the kinds of, um, stability that you need, uh, and the kind of union that you would need, uh, in the end. That supports uh, everyone, and that actually sort of almost advisory, and also helps maybe share some of the some of the information that has been shared. So, but outside of that, one really, really thinks at this at this stage it would not be uh, workable. Unless one has actually put up uh, something innovative, uh, or has taken the time to build the institutions, to and uh, and the framework. That allows the kinds of things that will need to be done to be able to, to get to that. And I guess so one has to think about it as we say, how does this thing pan out? It's probably first an institutional, um, institutional work that has to be uh, done and shared. And then one has to look once all of that has been done and there are kinds of discussions that we need, then you actually move to that. For so now, one of the things that's quite clear is that the the bilateral trade itself is starting to happen. In the you know in the currencies of the different countries, and whether or not that in itself then informs uh, one currency um, will be something to yet to be seen.
0: Yeah, we wait to see how that is going to develop over time and, you know, how um, all of these different uh, institutions that have come up, the role of uh, that, uh, you know, the BRICS, the BRICS Bank, you know, what is that going to mean um, going forward? Does it continue being a development bank and work towards um, the economic development cooperation that uh, we were talking about? Or does that then become the conduit through which, um, you know, some type of a central bank for these five countries countries, you know, comes together. Do the five countries continue being five countries? That's another consideration because uh, back in the day it was a brick block before South Africa, um, you know, was added. So is there room to add more? Um, you know, of the large e- emerging market economies, we wait to see. So that's been it. We were discussing what a BRICS currency means. Lots of discussions around this, and like we said, we're likely to see more and more debate um, around this issue um especially as uh, more and more people continue to question uh, the u.s dollar's place as the global reserve currency that has been it thank you so much we were talking to 20 pie who is an economist over at pwc Twenty, thank you so much for being with us today
1: it's been my pleasure thank
0: you very pocket costs or wherever you choose to get your pods costed i've been murio gavaza of the business day and financial mail and this has been another edition of the business day spotlight which is a multimedia live production so for myself and the rest of the team it is a good evening good afternoon and good morning